Welcome to Changeling Cast, the podcast dedicated to reading and dissecting urban fantasy, paranormal, and speculative romance series. I'm your host, Mara, from the YouTube channel Books Like Woe, and this season we are making our way through Nalini Singh's Psy Changeling series. And today we have a catch-up episode for the little short stories and vignettes that Nalini Singh puts out in her newsletter, as well as one novella. Uh, And this is catching up from the last time we did this, and we have got a total of nine stories to get through. Now, most of these are very short. They're like, you know, maybe 500 words. So uh, there's not a lot to read in terms of the amount of time it takes to read these, but there are a number of them to get through. So we will start with the first one chronologically in the series and work our way to the novella that I wanted to discuss called Partners in Persuasion, um, because it is coming right after Tangle of Need. So that will catch us up through right up into like all the story that we have to know about until Heart of Obsidian. So um, we will start, uh, most of these are kind of around Play of Passion through right after Kiss of Snow. That's sort of the, the main chronology here. So let's start with Wolf School, which was originally a scene in Play of Passion, but it got cut from the final draft. Uh, so Wolf School is really just a little a little day in the life vignette scene uh, from the point of view of Indigo. And she is teaching a class of the novice soldiers uh, with Ty, who she observes as they are going through their exercises, is almost ready to be a full soldier. I have a soft spot for Ty. We'll, we'll talk more about him here in a little bit. But uh, he is helping her do that. And she hears or she scents, I believe, a young pup in the area and they are not supposed to be that far out without supervision because it's not safe for them. So she goes to try to investigate. And when she goes, she finds that it is Ben who will show up several times in this uh, little run through of short stories because he is a beloved little side character that we always like seeing. So he shows up in these vignettes pretty often. So Drew is teaching Ben how to howl, and it's adorable. I should say, I think the theme of today's episode is just like adorableness, cuteness, sweetness. Most of these vignettes are just lovely little nuggets of cuteness. Um, And it is adorable because he's trying to teach him how to howl, and Ben finally sort of does it, and he scares himself when he howls, and he like falls over and yips, and it was just the cutest. And so Indigo sees that happening and she sees Drew doing that with Ben and it melts her ovaries, basically. They kiss and that's the end. So truly a very short, cute little scene, but it is adorable and I'm appreciative of having it out there in the world. Next, uh, another one that happens during the chronology of Play of Passion is called Clean and Dirty. And this is between Vaughn and Faith, who we see from time to time, but it's been a while since we've had sort of like a POV scene from them. And they are kicking it at their area. It's not an area. I think they have like underground caves. Uh, And if you'll remember, Vaughn is a sensitive sculptor. And uh, Faith is (laughs) complaining about the fact that he has been getting dust from his sculpting all over their living area. They're just sort of teasing each other. She's reading an article about how um, like civets, when they poop out coca beans, they make coffee from it. And she thinks that's gross. Um, They, you know, he's like, Oh, I'm gonna make you dirty because he's covered in dust. And she's trying to run away from him. She creates this little like illusion 
of sunflowers and then of an elephant uh, that he is fascinated by. But then he ultimately does catch her. They, um, you know, kind of tussle a little bit, but then they end up cleaning their house. They take a shower and um, right before they're about to go out, he kind of gives her the eyes and they end up getting it on before they go out to dinner with their friends. So this one is just like a lovely little sort of catch up moment with Vaughn and Faith. Um, You know, they're an early couple who because I think in part because Faith is sort of reclusive, um, you know, they don't get into sort of the overall pack dynamics as often. So I think it's nice to step in and kind of catch up with them a little bit. We do hear from Faith, particularly when she has a vision. So she does come into sort of like, She's sort of like a deus ex machina for foresight (laughs) at times. So she does come up in the plots. But again, just because she is sort of a loner, I feel like we don't get to see her in the mix of things all that often. So anyway, that one happens during Play of Passion that was called Clean and Dirty. Then there's another sweet one uh, between Clay and Tally called Home. Again, I feel like we don't see Clay and Tally all that much in kind of the later part of the series, we did see them in sort of the arc starting from their book and book four up through, I guess, like Bonds of Justice, Justice-ish. That was a tongue twister. Um, we do see them coming in because of the role Noir plays in some of those books, along with Keenan. So it's not that they have totally dipped out, but we don't see them all that often. So it is nice to check in with them. And I will say, reading this, it does remind me that Mind to Possess, while I don't like the beginning of that book, I do ultimately really believe about like Clay and Tally being together and being happy together. So the ending of that book does really work for me. And I do really like seeing them together in their happily ever after, because I just buy them. It's just lovely. So anyway, I don't know. That was what I was reflecting on when I was reading this particular little short story called Home. But anyway, they are putting in an extension to their Aerie, because John is a teenager. And now that he's more kind of settled into life, they kind of want to give him a little bit more of his own space. So he has his own room. Well, he had his own room, but he has a room sort of like down a hallway and it's not as attached to the main house. So it's, you know, giving him a little bit of independence. So um, Clay and Tally had help from the rest of the pack, but they wanted to kind of finish it by themselves. So they're putting the finishing touches on it. And uh, it's Nora and John coming and seeing the finished results. It's very, very sweet. So we find out that Noor has started calling them mommy and papa, which is adorable. And it just makes them both melt because they know, you know, she had such a hard life and now she has a family and they are her parents and it's adorable. Okay, so anyway, she comes in with John. Um, they got as a, a surprise present for both of them. Um, they, they got surprise presents for both of them. For her, they got her this very special princess bed that she is obsessed with and loves. And then John gets his kind of own um, like souped up calm screen, which I take as like kind of a hybrid between a computer slash TV in this futuristic world. Um, All in all, it's just very sweet seeing them together as a family. And while they're kind of checking out their rooms, uh, Tally and Clay sneak away to get it on. You know, they always got to be getting it on at some point (laughs) in these short stories. But it was just it was nice to check in with them. I was happy. It it was nice to see them in their happily ever after. uh, Because we don't I feel like we just don't see them all that often um, in the in the mix and at least in these recent books. 
And then we get what is probably the most substantial of these short stories, which is called Wild Night. And it takes place during chapter nine of Kiss of Snow. So this is when they all go out to Wild, the nightclub, and uh, Hawk comes and hauls Sienna away. And it's very uh, sexy and fun. Yeah, it's, it's a good scene. So basically what we're getting is the point of view of what happened after Hawk came in from the point of view of Ty and Evie primarily, um, who were some of the other wolf, uh, you know, pack members out with Sienna. So Ty didn't really drink um, because he wanted to be the DD. And so it's them essentially getting making their way home. So um, Ty kind of is reflecting on the fact that they really blew it because he the, just the sexual tension in the bar between the wolves and the leopards um it, it could have it could have gotten really ugly especially for the humans who were there so they're all kind of reflecting on the fact that they're going to get uh serve some punishment out from riley and everybody in the car is absolutely wasted um and they're all just sort of being silly and drunk together but in particular evie is very Uh, giggly and drunk and he we just get to see how much ties into Evie that's really what this is about is him reflecting on you know just how much he loves her and how he really the kind of overall point of this story is him reflecting on the fact that they are both still really young but he really hopes that they are going to grow together like he wants her to be his forever basically and they've been going really really slow because he is so dominant and she is so submissive in terms of the pack hierarchy um and so they haven't you know gone all the way yet uh but he is like basically she's torturing him because she is drunk and horny and so she is trying to like you know get in his pants basically and he is really (laughs) trying to hold on to his control so they get back to the the den and uh she's sort of you know mostly asleep so he kind of picks her up and is carrying her back to her room and uh he hears that indigo is on is around and he's afraid that (laughs) indigo is gonna come and kind of give him the business but riaz uh takes pity on him and sort of tells him where indigo is so that he can avoid her so they get back to her room And she basically tries to uh, seduce him. So she strips. She's only, what was it? It was very cute. Um, He placed her on the bed, but she got off and onto her feet. Before he knew what was happening, she'd undone the zipper on her dress and shimmied out of it. Her panties were lacy pink and tiny. Tiny. She wasn't wearing a bra. Someone hates me, Ty thought. Someone really hates me. So it's just cute because she's trying to seduce him. She's like, I am ready. And he's like, no, well, for you're you're drunk. So like, we're not, we wouldn't be doing this anyway. But also like, I just want to make, you know, he's being very, he, he is aware of how um, precarious their dynamic between them is. So he just wants to make sure she is absolutely sure that this is a step she wants to take, even beyond the fact that she's drunk and, and can't give consent. So um, so she's like, okay, but you have to stay here and hold me and sleep. So that's what they do. And he says, okay. And she she's really trying to, you know, get him to go for it. And he's like, okay, in the morning, if you still want to do this, we will. Um, but he has to wake up early to go to a shift. So he leaves her an IOU on a notepad. And then when he gets back that night to his room, he finds her in a peach pear of tiny underwear and uh they get not get it on and it's just very sweet and yeah uh, overall basically the moral of this one is they finally go all the way and ty is just completely gone on her and really hopes that uh 
that they get, they're going to end up kind of growing together as they get a little bit older because she's in college. He's about to be a full soldier. So they're, you know, I'm thinking they're kind of like 20, 21. Um, so they're still pretty young, but I they're so cute. So I also hope they grow together. Then number five, uh, this is also happening during Kiss of Snow. This one is called Naya's Most Important Visitors. And if you'll remember, Naya is born over the course of these books uh, and, and the kind of time we're talking about in the series. And she is the daughter of Sasha and Lucas. And she is an adorable little leopard cub. But there are some existing adorable little leopard cubs in Sasha's life. And that is Jules and Rome, who are the twin boys of Nate and Tammy. So um, they come over to meet her for the first time. And it is just so sweet and adorable because they are they think of her as their baby and they kind of haven't really been around a baby that size before um and so (laughs) they come over and they're like oh she smells like a baby um and so anyway it's just it's cute to see them kind of reacting to her and they're like she keeps sleeping why won't she wake up so um yeah basically it's just adorableness with Jules and Rome meeting Naya, and they bring her this uh, beautiful little uh, beaded necklace that they made. And basically, my takeaway from this is like, one of well, I think we even get this explicitly stated at some point in a later book. Clearly, one of them is going to be her mate at some point. And I forget if we know which one it is. But like, yeah, I just I feel like she is destined for one or maybe both of them. Who knows? Maybe by the time she grows up, uh, Nalini will be getting some thruple uh, action thrown into her series. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's basically just a very sweet story where Naya is connecting with the two little boys and it's adorable. And they shift into their leopard cub status or like state and they you know are gently petting her with their little paws and it's I just can't even it's overwhelmingly adorable then we get grocery shopping which also happens after Kiss of Snow also after Naya has been born and basically it's Sasha has this fascination with going grocery shopping uh because I think basically what we come to learn is that it's sort of like a sensory overload for her in a wonderful way that she missed out on when she was a Psy and in or well she is a Psy but when she was in the Psy net and so she's always conning Lucas into going grocery shopping we find out that in this world most people have their groceries delivered and that in-person grocery grocery shopping is sort of like a boutique experience. So I thought that was a nice little detail of the world building. Um, So they go grocery shopping with Naya and uh, Lucas is kind of sitting on the side, you know, snuggling Naya, watching her pick up all these different oranges and wanting to um, see which ones are the best. And uh, they actually also run into a deer changeling family um, with Theo is the uh, the dude. And I think we've either met him before. We'll, we will meet him again. We do know that there's like a deer, you know, pack, I guess, in the area. So we've seen deer changelings before, but basically him and uh, Lucas are sitting on the sidelines with their babies watching their mates go grocery shopping. And it's just a sweet little little bonding moment. And again, I always am just a sucker for whenever Sasha gets a moment of being able to enjoy something about life that she couldn't enjoy when she was in the Cynet. So that was number six, I believe. Number seven 
happens after Kiss of Snow, and it's called Stalking Hawk. And it's just an adorable little vignette with Ben and Hawk. Ben is shifted into his wolf form, and he's like stalking, or he's he's tailing basically Hawk, who is pretending that he doesn't see him. And he just basically he's doing it because he knows that's part of how you know, wolf cubs gain confidence in their tracking abilities. And he also notes that Ben, for his age, is pretty good at it. He's actually even better than some kids who are older than him. So I'm assuming this is an insinuation that at some point, Ben is probably going to be a dominant. Um, But basically, just Hawk lets him follow him around. And then he shifts back and they talk about it. And it's cute. It's just a cute little vignette with Ben. Ben makes pretty much any scene he's in more adorable, which I'm all for. And then the last of the short stories we're going to talk about is Pancakes. And this was originally a scene in the novella Texture of Intimacy, which we talked about a few weeks ago. And this is with Walker and Laura. And basically, it's just a lazy Sunday where Walker is in his only in his PJ bottoms, we get to a vision of, you know, hot Walker, with his, you know, built chest out that Laura is ogling and we, through her eyes, also get to ogle him. Um, And he is making pancakes for her and for the kids, Toby and Marley. And, uh, you know, Laura's reflecting on the fact that he, that uh, Toby is in a big growth spurt. So he's like shoveling down the pancakes. Um, He's kind of at a, a point where he is growing out of childhood and into more sort of like young adulthood. And uh, Marley and Ben are fighting. We find that out as well. And it's been mentioned before, but basically there's sort of a a thought that likely Marley and Ben are probably going to be mates someday. They just seem to have like a special bond that often indicates that kids are going to grow up and be mates. So she's reflecting on that and just the fact that she's thankful to be able to have a lazy weekend morning with her mate and their kids. And it's just real sweet. It's just real sweet. It's real adorable as is the theme of all of these short stories. So those are all the short stories. And then going back uh, to a novella, which is a little more substantive, but honestly, it's still, it's pretty low on plot. It's mostly just a kind of sweet romance story. This is one that I think you could read, even if you didn't really know about Side Changeling very much, because it's pretty straightforward in terms of being a paranormal romance story. So it's called Partners in Persuasion, and it's happening after Tangle of Need. And it's with Desiree, who is a senior soldier in Dark River we've seen a lot over the course of the books. It's kind of mentioned in this novella, but just in general, that likely she's going to become a sentinel sometime in the next few years, just in terms of her overall trajectory of growth. So she is an incredibly dominant female. And then it's with Felix, who is in Snowdancer, and he is the wolf who's sort of like their head botanist or sort of like their head kind of like forest ranger kind of guy. And he is in charge of doing all of the replanting from all of the trees that Sienna uh, scorched a few books or yeah, two books ago, I guess, from when this is happening. And um, we know that Felix is smoking hot. Like he apparently used to be a model. He is fine AF, um, but he is very submissive and he's also very shy. Not all submissives in the hierarchy are shy, but he is. He's very, he blushes all the time. He's just a cutie. And Desiree, who goes by Desi, she is very dominant. And really, this novella very much mirrors 
the novella we got with Cooper and Grace, except that it's sort of like gender swapped. And then we also have this element of Desi is in Dark River, so she is a leopard, and Felix is in Snowdancer, he's a wolf. So Desi starts approaching Felix, and he is definitely very attracted to her, but he has been burned in the past by dating a dominant. Like he was all in with this woman, and then eventually... She sort of patted him on the cheek and said, well, this was fun, but I'm never going to be able to mate somebody so submissive. So see ya. And that really crushed him because he was in love with her. So he is sort of trepidatious about the idea of getting into a relationship with the dominant. And also um, he's at a phase in his life where he's not just looking for fun. He really is looking for someone to settle down with. And um, I think it's really sweet to see the dynamic here because she takes the same care with him as Cooper did with Grace in terms of being incredibly cautious, incredibly focused on consent. Um, all of that is very much at the forefront because it would horrify her to realize that he was just being with her in a sexual context because of his sort of instinct to submit to a dominant. So we get that exact same kind of play that we had between Cooper and Grace, but because it's gender swapped, I think it just adds another layer and another kind of valence to the overall story. So she's trying to court him. She brings him like this rare sapling that her dad gave her um, because her dad is Dark River's botanist. So there's sort of a connection there. Um, there's just, I mean, this is just a lovely story. Um, at first he kind of rejects her overtures because he, like, he just doesn't think that they could be together long-term because of how far apart they are in the, in the dominance, um, hierarchy. But eventually he realizes that he's getting really jealous of her spending time with other men and he wants intimate skin privileges with her. And, uh, so they decide to try to go for it. And uh, I, I really loved just like some of the discussion that happens on the side in the story with different pack mates. Um, so like, for instance, someone is observing to Desi, your cat fights to uh, chains tooth and nail, it'll take a very strong man to tie you down kind of saying that Felix isn't strong enough. And she replies, he is strong, Desiree said with a scowl submissive doesn't just mean weak, you know that. And so that's part of what the message of these um, stories where there are these big gaps in dominance hierarchy, part of what they're getting at is that just because you are submissive doesn't mean you're weak. It just it means that you have a different kind of natural instinct in terms of a power dynamic. So I really like that exploration. Um, I also <laughs> love it because Hawk, you know, he wants to make sure that Felix feels, you know, is comfortable with the ground rules established because it is a different pack and also just because of the dominance difference. And uh, so he kind of checks in with him and is like, okay, are you really okay? And, uh, and Felix says yes. And so Hawk says, in that case, he said, as Felix broke the eye contact and shuddering relief, have fun and try not to get scratched too hard. Um, so, you know, once everybody's, you know, confident that there's nothing uh, coercive happening here, everybody's very supportive. Um, 
And it's just so sweet. He gives her flowers and nobody's ever given her flowers before. And he is shocked and he says, but you deserve to get flowers every day. It's just adorable. So then she makes him this big romantic picnic um, and they hit a dominance trigger when they're fooling around and they think that they're gonna have to like totally call it off. And Felix feels really kind of like emasculated and humiliated by it. But then he goes and talks to Drew and Drew says, you know, it, it, what she did could be very hot or it could be very bad if there's not trust there first. And then Felix says, I should have been able to handle it. Bullshit, Drew snorted. If Hawk went through for my throat, I'd freeze the fucking hell where I was and start thinking of ways to convince him that whatever he thought I did, I didn't do. Um, so, you know, just like having this this moment of like, hey, it doesn't make you less of a man. It just means, you know, like that's your instinct. There's nothing emasculating about that. Um, and so they kind of work through that. They say, I love you to each other and they enter the mating dance. And so he's courting her and he's leaving her all these little surprises and she is just delighted by it. And it's just the cutest. I can't even stand it, guys. Like, it's just, it's adorable. So overall, this is just a super cute story. Um, they end up building an airy near the snow dancer den and we have another cross pack relationship. So I think those are all of the catch up stories we needed to get through. Not a ton that's happening in these substantively in terms of like plot, but lots of just lovely relationship moments, lots of lovely sort of pack dynamic moments, and just a nice sort of layering of what is a very rich world um, that, you know, there's a lot of room for these little side stories. So I think that will do it for this episode. Hopefully this was a nice sort of interstitial to give people a chance to catch up and to get ready for what is, in my opinion, the best book in this entire series. It is my favorite book in the series. It is one of probably my top 10 favorite books ever, period. I love this book. It's called Heart of Obsidian. It's up next. And I cannot wait for you guys to, to talk about it with me. I'm so excited. So that will be in two weeks. Brace yourself. Strap yourself in. Can't wait. Uh, but yeah, I think that will do it for me. So if you would like to follow me, you can find me at Books Like Whoa pretty much everywhere. YouTube, Goodreads, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the things. And uh, if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate and review. And yeah, that will do it for me for today. I will see you guys in two weeks to talk about Heart of Obsidian. Yay! Bye! Bye!